For a long time now, people have been saying to me, over a number of years, David, why don't you write a book about all the people that you have known, some strange individuals <laughs> that we've met. Well, at long last, at long last, I've done it with the help and encouragement of a few others. So it's coming out, it's called The Confessions of a Pentecostal Pastor. <laughs> so it's all coming out, The Confessions. <laughs> now, I don't have, the coming tomorrow. <laughs> you, can, you can buy them on Amazon, uh, but um, I, I've, I've ordered a number of them. It's not a theological book. It's a book about some of the, the amusing uh, people that I've met and the way, of course, that God has provided for us and helped us along the way. And uh, I trust it'll encourage your faith and uh, be a blessing to you. So I don't know if it'll, it'll win the Booker Prize, but <laughs> however... As you know, Jeff has been reading and with us from John's Gospel, and we're into chapter two now. <laughs> I missed something from some disrespectful people down here. <laughs> John chapter two, a very familiar passage. At weddings, it's almost compulsory to read this chapter at weddings. <clears throat> On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best wine till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Amen. May the Lord bless that familiar passage to us. 
And it's just the last verse of the passage that we read that I want to talk to you about this morning. This, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. The old Bible says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee uh, and uh, manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed in him. Uh, I don't want to just talk about the story of the the changing of water into wine, but I want to talk about the last verse which says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus. So there was more to come. (laughs) In John's Gospel, there is at least uh, five miracles that demonstrated the glory of Jesus. There is the royal official's son in chapter 4, where he came and told him about his son being ill, and Jesus said, go, your son is going to live. And the man believed, and all his house. And then there was the paralyzed man in chapter 5. For 38 years, this man had been lying by the pool of Bethesda, and nobody had been able to put him into the water so he could get healed. And then one glorious day, Jesus walks into his life and miraculously heals him. Later, he tells him that he is the Messiah. Then there's the feeding of the 5,000, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Then there is the miracle of the walking on the water. And then the blind man in chapter 9. And then the the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. But this is the first Great anticipation of the miraculous powers of Christ. So I hope today that this story, this familiar story, will lift our faith level to trust God for something more. What is a miracle? We can use the word miracle in the sort of a general sense. It was a miracle. Nobody was killed, you know. The way she was driving that car. <laughs> and then we talk about people who, who had a remarkable conversion. You know, they were, they were a real bad lot in and out of jail and all this, or drugs and all that. Then they get wonderfully converted and we say, they're a miracle of grace. <clears throat> In 2012, uh, the European Ryder Cup team were playing the Americans at a place called Medina in, uh, in America. And uh, on the last day of the Ryder Cup, it was looking very bad for the European team. Uh, the Americans were 10 points and the Europeans were f- were six points, and the goal was the Americans had got to get 14 points, so there's only a few more to get. Well, on the last day, the Europeans played out of their skin, and it got to 14, the Europeans got to 14 points, which they needed, and they retained the Ryder Cup, and then on the last green, Tiger Woods missed the putt, (laughs) and 
the Europeans got the 14 and a half points and they called it the miracle of Medina. <laughs> supposed to be the greatest sporting comeback in all uh, Ryder Cup history. <laughs> but we talk of miracles sometimes like things like that. <clears throat> Unexpected and unusual things that happen to us. Now some could be divine origin, uh, which we don't know about. God can move in little things. It says in the Bible that he, the people, they did not know that he'd healed them. Some people had had a miracle, but never realized it. And then in another part of the Bible, it says, some have entertained angels unawares. So the things that go on that we uh, take as providential things that could well be the intervention of God. But I was looking up in an old book I have on the gifts of the Spirit, one by a man called Harold Horton, and looking for a, a definition of the word miracle in, in the biblical context. And Harold Horton said, a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature, a temporary subs suspension of the accustomed order an interruption of the system of nature as we know it. And Charles Kingston, another old Pentecostal uh, writer, he says, it is an act by which the operation of a stronger law overrules or sets aside a natural law or causes it to remain in abeyance for a season when God steps out of the boundary by which his creatures are circled. It is called a miracle. So when God steps in and suspends his own laws for a while, we call it a miracle. <clears throat> and this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. <clears throat> so miracles in the classical sense or the uh, narrower sense or in the general sense, miracles can happen in insignificant places. Cana in Galilee was a one-horse town. You pass by it without knowing. You know, there was just a little town. <clears throat> but a phenomenal miracle happened there. <clears throat> and I was reminding myself of another small town in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Elijah, the prophet, had been sent by God to proclaim to that wicked king Ahab that there would neither be dew nor rain until the prophet said so. And then God hid the prophet. He told him to go to uh, the little brook Cherith and he said, I'm going to send the ravens to feed you. So Elijah the prophet is drinking of the brook and the ravens are bringing bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Every day he has a provision from the Almighty. But then the brook dried up. And sometimes God's provision at one level dries up, but God's provision at the eternal level never dries up. And he spoke to Elijah and he said, I want you to go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So Elijah treks over 
to the seaside of Tyre and Sidon. And he finds this little, another one horse place where this little widow woman is gathering sticks. And he says to this little widow woman, would you bring me a drink of water? So she turns and she's going to bring him a drink of water. And he says, and would you bring me a little cake of bread also? And she turns round and she says, as the Lord God lives, she said, I've nothing in the house. The famine has been so severe. I've nothing in the house but a little pot of oil and a little barrel of meal, just one handful. And I'm gathering these couple of sticks that I can go home, make a fire, and bake a little cake for my son and myself, and we're going to eat it, and that'll be our last meal. We're going to die. We've no more food. And Elijah said to her, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, the barrel of meal shall not waste away. The cruise of oil will not fail till God sends rain upon the earth. And this little widow woman believed the word of the prophet. And she went, she brought him a baked cake, her last meal that she had. And the Bible says that she and her son and the prophet lived every day. I think it was for another two and a half years Every day was a miracle. <laughs> the cruise of oil didn't fail. The, barrel of, the little barrel of meal didn't fail until God sent rain upon the earth. Every day was a miracle in an insignificant little place. And I know that we have had, in, particularly in our earlier days in the ministry, wonderful provisions in those early days. <laughs> I remember in our very first church, where there was hardly anybody showed up. Um, and uh, a, a fellow said to me, David, he said, I, I'd like to give you a car. It was an old banger, of course. Um, uh, but we had a guest speaker. With, I didn't want to accept it because we couldn't run a car. <laughs> but this, this guest speaker, I don't, he said to me, David, he said, if God has given it to you, he'll see that he keeps it on the road. <laughs> so I took him at his word, and we kept, it kept on the road all the... Well, in those days, you didn't have MOTs much. And <laughs> it, it kept going. <laughs> so we moved off. We moved up to Beeston, and I had a little... I had another old banger... <laughs> And we had invited this American couple to come and preach in our church, Paul and Thelma Curtis. They, they'd come occasionally. Well, I picked them up at the railway station, and being American, they did 300 cases. <coughs> and we, we put them into my little car, all squashed down, <laughs> driving through. He said, David, he said, you need a new car. I said, yes, Amen. He said, what car would you like? Well, I knew one of the doctors that came to the church. He had a Volvo, and it looked a nice car. I said, well, I said, I would like a Volvo. David, he said, get a picture of it, put it on your wall, 
and thank God for it every day. <laughs> well, my, my old car had sort of breathed its last. <laughs> I can remember we rang the scrapyard guy and he came with his wagon and he put my car on the wagon and we all <laughs> waved goodbye. <laughs> So I was on a bike, on a pushback, doing some visits to people in the church. And I, and I remember driving along on, on the, the pushback, and in the gutter, there was a mud flap, and on the mud flap was the name of the car. It had dropped off, Volvo. So I thought, praise God, maybe we're on the right track here. <laughs> a friend of ours, Friend of ours, uh, a preacher from Lincoln, a wealthy guy. We like to meet with uh, Anyway. <laughs> he had a top-of-the-range Volvo. He said to me, David, how would you like my, my car? I said, John, I said, I, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. He said, well, I'll let you have it for what the garage would let me have it for. So I said, let me think about it. Well, there was, a, there was a couple in our church, and they were looking after some older ladies. Now, these were three uh, sisters that had never married, and I'd buried them all one after the other. <laughs> but, but this couple, called Roy and Mavis, they used to take the, the, the ladies out for a drive into the Derbyshire and various places and looked after them. And the last surviving sister altered her will in their favor. Now, she had a lovely bungalow, and they, they were quite comfortably off. So Roy came to me. He said, David, that car, he said, I'm going to buy it for you. <laughs> so the Lord had blessed him, and he blessed me, and it all came from the Lord. <laughs> and I had a top-of-the-range Volvo car. The, the leather seats they put in Rolls Royces as well. <laughs> the old Volvo's better than this new rubbish. <laughs> <clears throat> One guy left our church because he said the pastor shouldn't be so well off. <laughs> but every day, every day, we see these opportunities for God's intervention in our life. How many of you know that God wants to intervene in your life and mine in insignificant places? You might feel an insignificant little person in an insignificant little place, but you're not too insignificant for a miracle because where Jesus is, things can happen in your life. <clears throat> Elijah and this little old lady with her son. And they saw a greater miracle, as you may know the story, how when her son died, God graciously raised him back up to life again. <clears throat> miracles can happen in insignificant places. Secondly, miracles can happen wherever Jesus is present. <clears throat> Martha, you remember Mary and Martha and their story, Brother Lazarus had died, and then Jesus had delayed his coming until he, uh, a couple of days later. He showed up, and Martha came to him, and she said, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
And then she went back and called her sister in their home. She said, the master has come and he's calling for you. The master has come and he's calling for you. And uh, I want to say to you and say to myself, don't limit the Lord. Don't limit the Lord's power and what he can do. On one occasion, Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, the people in his hometown of Nazareth were offended at him. They said, where has this man got these miracles, this wisdom from him, these mighty miracles that he's doing? Isn't this the carpenter? For the people living in the old village of Nazareth, all that Jesus was, was the carpenter. They put him in a carpenter's box. They, they had watched him as a boy growing up. Maybe he'd been around to their house and fixed a door for them or put a new roof on their house or he, he, he had done some carpentry in their home and that's all he was. He was just the carpenter. <clears throat> and it says of that company, he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And there's a verse in the Psalms that says this. It says, yes, about the people in the wilderness. They turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Job, in the Bible, had a great trial and he wondered why he was suffering the way he was. And he tried to find out, try to find out, fathom out why God would allow this. And, 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 and he was arguing with God. But then in the, towards the end, God reveals himself to Job. He reveals him in all his splendor and his creative glory. And that Job said, I know that you can do everything that no thought can be withholden from you. He said, I spoke, but I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, I, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and I repent in dust and ashes. But I know now that you can do everything. He had a vision of the power and the glory and the majesty of God. <clears throat> and brothers and sisters, I think we all need a vision of the power and the glory and the majesty of God. The prophet Jeremiah said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And you might be thinking this morning about some particular difficulty that you or your friends are going through. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is any difficulty too hard for the Lord? Is any place too hard for the Lord? Where Jesus is, miracles can happen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> finally, <clears throat> finally, miracles can happen when people are obedient. <clears throat> the, at this wedding, the wine had run out. Um, I think they'd been drinking too much even in Bible days. And, and, and Mary, the mother of the Lord, said to him, uh, 
they have no wine. Why do women do this? <laughs> I remember some years ago, my wife and I were in the house together, just two of us. <clears throat> she said, I wish somebody would wash up the dishes. <clears throat> well, I looked around. <laughs> there was only me, the, the candidate. Why didn't she say, would you mind washing the dishes? So Mary, the mother of Jesus, instead of saying, Jesus, will you perform a miracle for them? She said, they have no wine. <laughs> then she said something most remarkable. And if you and I can take on what she said, you'd live a far more fruitful life. She said, whatever he tells you to do, However crazy it might be, that's my version, <clears throat> whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Whatever he says to you, just do it. So Jesus said to the servants, you see those storm water pots there? Fill them to the brim with water. Now they had no hose pipes in those days and no taps, so they got to go to the well with the buckets and, and that, until they filled all these six water pots with about 180 gallons of water. So now we have six water pots and they're full of water. And Jesus said to the servants, draw some out now and take it to the governor of the feast and the servants took this jug of water, poured it in a wine glass. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and the governor of the feast, he said, wow. He said, Chateau Lafitte, is it? <laughs> he said, this is not from Aldi. <clears throat> <clears throat> this is the best wine. This is the best wine. He said, you got it all wrong. He said, you put this stuff out first. And then people, when they've had a bit too much to drink, you put the lesser stuff out. And they don't know the difference. But you have kept the good wine till now. Hallelujah. What's the difference in water and wine? I've never been drunk. I don't want to ever be drunk. I don't mind a glass of wine now and again. <clears throat> but when we lived in Macclesfield, we had no TV. Our source of entertainment was watching people coming from the pub. We got three... <coughs> <laughs> we had three pubs near where we... We lived in a very classy area. <laughs> Well, they would come, it didn't matter what it was pouring down or what, they would come staggering out, singing away. And there was us looking through the, <laughs> looking through the curtains, <laughs> courting couples on our front step. <clears throat> now, why did I tell you that? <laughs> <clears throat> the difference between water and wine. And I wonder this morning, 
if a little bit of the wine has gone out of some of our lives and some of the joy has gone, some of the love for Christ has gone, some of the effervescence of life has sort of diluted, I want to tell you, there is someone here that can change the water into wine. To give you the joy of the Lord all over again. Restore, the psalmist said it, didn't he? Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. The joy of knowing Jesus. The joy of serving Jesus. The joy when things are not joyful around you. But praise God, you can have the joy of the Lord within you. What does it tell about when it talks about the, the fullness of the Spirit? Be filled with the Spirit, he said. Don't be drunk on wine. Don't be drunk on wine but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We have come to someone, dear brothers and sisters, that can turn water into wine. Hallelujah. Now, I thought to myself, suppose those servants in that little house in Cana of Galilee said this. They looked at one another. He, said, what's to, he wants us to go to the well and get water. He's crazy. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. And suppose that little lady, way back in Elijah's day, had said, I'm not giving you my last little bit of meal for me and my son, my lovely boy. You're taking the last thing I have in the world. But she was obedient. She gave the prophet first. And these people in the little house in Canaan of Galilee, they were obedient, even though it seemed crazy. They were obedient. Great doors of blessing hinge upon little hinges of obedience. And maybe this morning, there is something that you need to be obedient in. Someone you need to forgive, maybe, including yourself. Sometimes the most difficult person in the world to forgive is ourselves. Maybe you need to forgive, and strangely enough, to forgive God, you might say, oh, goodness me, he's into heresy now. We know that God never does anything wrong. We know that. But maybe you felt God could have come through better for you in certain circumstances in your life. And, 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 and if you're deep down, you feel God could have done better for you and you hold that, get rid of that. Forgive. Forgive those who have trespassed. Forgive even the Lord. <clears throat> or maybe there's somebody you need to feel sorry for. Sorry too, I should say. Just to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. You were right. Or maybe there's some sin that you just need to apologize to God for and put it right. In conclusion then, miracles can happen to obscure people in obscure places. 
And there is none of us too small or too insignificant that can't experience the grace and power of Almighty God. Whether it's a big miracle as we've been talking about or whether it's one of those smaller miracles, those helps along the way like Ruth had. You remember the story of Ruth where, where Boaz said to the, the, to, to the reaper, she said, drop her some ears of corn on purpose. She'll pick it up and she'll thank God. God can just give you some of those little things in life for little people in little places, for obscure people in obscure places. And miracles can happen when Jesus is there. And it may be in church this morning, you've never fully yet invited Jesus into your life to share your life, to be with you in the ups and the downs. All you need to do is apologize for anything that has offended him in the past. But the Bible calls it repentance. Turn around. Invite him in. Because miracles can happen where Jesus is. And finally, miracles can happen when we are obedient to the things he's prompting us to. Now this miracle pointed to the greater miracle of the miracle worker. The Bible says, doesn't it, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and thus revealed his glory, the glory of creation. There was a creative miracle, wasn't it? A mini universe, he who had created the universe was now having a mini miracle here. And his disciples trusted him, put their faith in him. Would you pray with me as we draw to a close? <clears throat> I've asked the band if they'll just play something that sort of uplifts the Lord Jesus and uh, play something uh, quietly reflective. And it may be in church this morning that you need something from heaven. You feel well, like just, just little old me don't think like that because God is as interested in you as in anybody else. And if you invite him in, maybe I wonder if there's someone here that you've never just quite invited him in yet and this morning you'd like to do that. Well, the door is still open. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with him and sup with him. And life from then on will be a shared life with Christ. Just open the door. Almond Hunt painted that beautiful picture of the light of the world. They said, Almond, you've, 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 you've made a little mistake here. There's no, there's no handle. There's no latch on it. He said, no, I didn't make a mistake. The handle is on the inside. He's waiting. The Savior is waiting. Waiting for you. Waiting for you to open the door. Open the door to the Son of God. Open the door to a miracle working God. Open the door of your heart for a life of fellowship with Jesus. If that's you this morning. I would feel really privileged to pray for you. To ask Christ to kind of help you and enable you to open the door of your life or if this morning you, you, you do know the Lord 
but there are parts of your life that are closed off to him. Just open those doors and let him in to your life. I'm going to pray. I hope to include you in a prayer. If it, if it is you, just pray in your heart before God. Heaven will see it and heaven will answer. And then I'm going to ask if there's any of you that would like special prayer, some ministry. Maybe you're looking to God for some, some minor miracle or major miracle or something that you need the blessing of God. I'm going to invite you to come down to join us here at the front from the balcony or all around and, and, and to come down here and we'll pray for you and look to God together for something special to happen in your life. Do we believe in a God of miracles? We believe in Jesus Christ who can touch people's hearts and lives. So let's pray together. Would you kind of close your eyes? <clears throat> I'm going to pray a prayer. Just a little soft, Andrew. Thanks. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I hope that you will pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now. I want to open the door of my life to Christ. I'm sorry for the things that have hurt you. My disobedience, things I didn't do I should have done, things I did that I never should have done. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me from all my unrighteousness, and come into my life. From this day on, in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Or maybe there are those that somehow you've shut God out of certain parts of your life, whether it's relationships, whether it's finance, whether it's friendship, whatever. And for, for some reason, you've just said, that bit's mine. That bit's mine. I've never opened that bit to the Lord. And this morning, you want to open that door and let the Savior in. Maybe you could pray in your heart, Lord, I apologize for keeping you on the outside. I now open the door to all your fullness and all your presence. Come in, I pray, Lord. Change the water of my life into the wine of heaven. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, would you kindly just indicate to me that you prayed that prayer, one of those prayers, by just kindly raising your hand and putting it down again. I will see it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Two or three of you, yes. God bless you. Maybe others. Thank you. Thank you. Now tell somebody about it when you, when you can. Amen.